Hey, joining us right now is Jason Thompson, who's the keynote speaker at this event. And uh, Jason is with Speak Up, Get Results on a New Market. Just north of Toronto, correct? I'm, South, uh, Southbury, and actually, I don't tell everybody this, but I'm actually even further north of Newmarket, a little town wow. called Bradford. You know what? I'm a, I'm a real geekaholic when it comes to maps, okay. so I will be looking that up. So if you eat carrots, yes. you've got food from our marsh, which nice. is the breadbasket of Canada for, for vegetables. Hey, you're the keynote speaker here. Can you tell everybody now, because this could be downloaded uh, two months from this event, what, what are you talking about? My whole thing is I want people to have the conversations of their lives. We're doing a terrible, terrible job at that. So from a tactical perspective, I talk about presentations. I talk about general connections and conversations that you can have, media training. But this time around, we're talking about a specific type of presentation, which is pitching. How do you sell yourself more effectively? Wow. Where do you dig in on that one right off the top? Well, the first thing they have to know is not about you. It's not what you sell. It's how they buy. And right. we all know that. We all know, oh, yes, it's about the client. It's about the client. And then we start, we sit down and we go, let's tell you about our agency. And let me give you my bio, right? I went to school here and these are my, nobody cares. They care about themselves. And your job is to figure out how are you the wind beneath their wings, period. Whew, how do you get people to think that way? It's a concept I call hyper empathy, which is it takes time to learn that, but you learn through traditional communications. I read 11 books on good relationships last year because right. I'm working on getting to that third marriage. That's the goal, right? Is you learn that the benchmark that we have as human beings to succeed and is I'm right. You ever had that happen in a oh, relationship? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you change that to say, I want to connect. If it's about connection, suddenly you're not standing across, you're standing together. And you can build that into every day is just keep reminding yourself, hey, it's about them. It's about what they need. It's funny. Uh, and lately, and especially during the pandemic, did a lot of reading. And one of the things that I was fascinated by is, is reading about some of the great interviewers and what they believed were the skill sets that they needed to work on because nobody's perfect. The biggest one was listening skills. Are you finding that when you talk to people that, that maybe they could work on that a little bit? Yeah. I, I can't believe I'm going to quote this, but <laughs> I saw a lecture that Jordan Peterson gave. Okay. And in that lecture, he actually said something super duper smart, which was when you interact with somebody, they're going to tell you 50 things. You oh, already yeah. know 48. Your job, your only job, is to be a detective and to find those two. Now, as a speaker, you can you can make that happen, right? Like you don't just have to depend on the listener. I can help you listen more effectively by building in scannability and navigation and things like mystery. Like I'm gonna tell you this in a couple of minutes and that will make you a better listener. We I think often with listening, we, we point the finger at the listener and going, you're not a good listener. Well, we don't have a world that is generating good listeners for a reason. You can be empowered to get that way, to help those listeners. You were talking about having to work at conversation. Is that because when people are listening, they're more worried about what they're going to say next? I'm just waiting for you to breathe so I can get the thing in I got to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. it, it is. There's um, there's a couple of you know really great books. There's a guy out of Winnipeg by the name of David Zinger. He runs the um, ran the Employee Engagement Network. He ran a program on listening. But essentially, it's if you can turn this person on the other side into that detective. I always say that in conversations, you're a passenger. 
Right. I don't want you to be a passenger. I want you to be a detective. And so I can help you get there. So again, there are certainly a number of things that you can do. Maybe a good active listener, the nodding, the reinforcement, the actually being curious. Yeah. But there are things I can do to help you listen to me. I've, I've always felt that curiosity is actually probably one of my strengths in terms of broadcasting over my career. That would probably do it. Is that I don't like to be overly prepared. I like to be able to find out more about people. You come to this event and there's all these planning people here. What's the big charge that you get out of it? For me? Yeah. I always say that presenting and sharing the story that I've developed is like Christmas morning. Okay. It's like I'm giving you a gift and I get to watch you rip the top off. And watching the light bulb go on and go, I can use that. I can make that my own. I can be better in the next conversation I can have is the most gratifying thing. Because if you're, you know your purpose, which is to enable the greatest conversations of our lives, and you watch people have better conversations as a result of that, that's awesome. We're going to go back a little bit here. What got you started and what steered you in this direction? This is fascinating. I tend to be like Peter Pan got a job. Okay. I started in events as a creative director and a copywriter, as a junior creative director and copywriter in a Toronto agency. And over time, you know, you build that skill set, become a creative director. And then you start seeing, man, these speeches are terrible like really bad and people are not paying attention. They're falling asleep. They're walking out of the room, that sort of stuff. They're just disengaging entirely. And you're like, I could do better. And then suddenly you get a job. And this happened one day. I got a job with uh, one of the car companies. It was between me and the best speechwriter in Toronto. I'd never written a speech, by the way, at this point. Okay. I was cheaper and thus started that. So then I started down that path and I realized I really like keynote speaking. So that began that journey and you know i've appeared on stages at c2 montreal i've written for the main ted stage in the past you, you learn this is such an amazing thing i want to embrace it and then the pandemic hit and this is the most fascinating thing pandemic hit like everybody else in this industry was terrified that was it your career's over i literally i remember on like the day one of lockdown when okay who do i need to talk to at my bank to yeah. actually refinance my mortgage because i'm getting ready right six weeks later the phone started ringing off the hook people are bored yeah how do we fix this? And so that's where the career really started to take off. I'm almost embarrassed to tell people, and this is how it worked for me, and it sounds like with you, my career actually started to uh, pick up during the pandemic. Yeah. And I, I wish I could really put one, one, my finger on one reason why, but it sounds like that's kind of what happened with you, only for numerous reasons. Yeah, absolutely the idea of we have people disengaging and I found a stat. I wish I could find the attribution, but as soon as I found this stat, suddenly I became a bit of a rock star, it felt like, right? And the stat is this, 100% of audiences, every single person disengages in a every 15 minute block. So you're on a Zoom call, yeah. dog runs through the frame, right? Your kid needs help with their homework or the worst one is you get a text message. You break the plane of focus for the right. audience and now you're somewhere else. And my job is to yank you back and how do I do that effectively? And that, that comes into everything from like how you structure your, your PowerPoint. Most PowerPoints are abysmal. Right. And because people don't understand what a PowerPoint deck is for in the first place, it's the GPS to your presentation. Right. Right. All the way down to how are you engaging through storytelling? And, and my weird hobby in reading over the pandemic was behavioral economics. And I started to learn how audiences process. And boy, Boy, oh boy, there is a lot going on under the hood that you have to pay attention to. So through this whole pandemic, what was the one or two things that, that really stood out for you that you noticed right off the top? 
Can you think of anything? First thing is that audiences give up on you. They're giving okay. up on you faster and faster and faster. I did in a live space, one of the events I did as a host and an MC this year. Right. I literally watched two really boring presenters back to back. 80% of the audience walked out of that plenary room and wow. they stood on the other side of the door and network so you could hear them in the plenary room. It was awful. So you got to really be in service of that audience. And, and I, I, I'm tripling down on that now. And it's, it's not, hey, listen, don't forget about your audience. It's you build everything in service. Yes, that's the first one. Number two is you have more than 200 tools of engagement. It's right. not, don't just run a poll find ways to get that audience to see what you need to see. So storytelling, analogy, headlining, scannability, navigation, associations, triggering. I, I made decks of cards to help people see all of the amazing things that you can do. So those are two things that I learned, that idea of you know finding engagement and being in service of the audience. It's funny, and we were talking about podcasting before, you, uh, before we actually started rolling here. And one of the things that I've always been very aware of, and this probably goes back to radio training, is that... Uh, People want to know what the average commute time was in an Edmonton or Calgary. It's 23 minutes. So my, right? my theory would be, okay, then if you want people to listen in your car, make it 20. Make yeah. it 20 minutes. But you have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of the tune-out factor. And it sounds like that's what you're very well in tune with. I think that's fascinating that you brought up time. Because as a guy who's been on the production side of events a lot, is if you're a speaker, go short. To every speaker goes long, yeah. right? I've watched speakers this morning. I was the first speaker. I was 17 minutes of my 20-minute slot. That's by design, right. right? Why? Because you have the front of house sitting back there tearing their hair out going, we're going to be 43 minutes over, right? And secondly, your audience can only pay attention to so much stuff. Remember that under the hood stuff? Oh, yeah. Three short-term things, three things in your short-term memory at any given time, right? They can't hold anymore. Don't overload them. You're you're, uh, you're making me also think about my approach of emceeing weddings. <laughs> my theory is they should go short, not long. There's it's something funny. to be said for that. Chris right? Rock. So Chris Rock said, if you're going to host the Oscars, yeah, you go long at the beginning, and every segment is shorter until the very end. At the very end, after the best picture, Chris Rock comes on and goes, "Good night, everybody. That's it. Gone." <laughs> wow. Do you work with some sizable companies? Can you tell some stories about that? Like, I'm sure there's some stuff you can't say, but you, you've worked with some big companies. We won't get specific unless you want to, but what do you learn when you're working with big companies as opposed to working with smaller organizations? That's a fascinating question in that the bigger the company, the less risk that they will take. Right. right. The more they're like, listen, this is the way we give a speech or a presentation or a conversation, and we can't get away from that. And that's a problem. You know, I work with some very large banks and they have a very traditional way. And it's it really is, I think, about a cult of personality. Right. It's like, well, this executive needs 40 minutes on stage. No, your audience only wants that executive for 14 minutes. This is what they want to hear from them. Don't give me the here's where we were last year. Here's where we are now. And here they don't care. They want to know. Give me the skills to be awesome next year. That said, I've seen some interesting stuff. I worked with Cirque du Soleil at, at C2 Montreal. They handpicked me to be a moderator for one of their sessions. And that was entirely out of left field. You know, working in corporate, there, there's a kind of a traditional drumbeat. Try working with somebody who produced Madonna's Super Bowl show. It's a very different experience. There's a lot of, again, there's a, 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 a lot of cult of personality to it, but there's right. also a lot of creativity. So yeah, there were screaming matches, which was hilarious. And there was also 
teaching me how I can be better at putting on a corporate workshop by looking at what Cirque du Soleil does. Do you think that this lost with some organizations, some groups where they just don't learn from those mistakes? And I think that's essential. There is a concept that I believe in called autopilot. I begin every okay. keynote with the idea of autopilot. We learn these skills at the beginning of our careers, how to hold a meeting, how to attend a meeting, how to write an email, how to give a presentation. And like the, the, the mosquito that gets frozen in amber in Jurassic Park, right. we stick with that and we iterate. The number of times that I just see people who are gonna give a presentation that take their last deck and they update it, they don't realize their last deck wasn't good. And that they need to actually get off of autopilot and think about the audience and what they need. If you wanna be remembered, you have to think about your audience and then use those neuroscience skills to be better. Well, when you're talking to an organization like this and with the, all the people that, that come from all over Canada and some from the US, what are the mistakes that you see continually that drive you crazy? For presentations? Yeah. Beginning the first minute and the last minute are the two most valuable pieces of real estate in your presentation. So okay. the la let's start with the last minute. The goal of the last minute is actually the goal of the presentation. It's activation. So you ask people, why are you presenting? And they always say the same thing. Well, I want my audience to understand this. So I work with, for example, one of the large technology companies. They say, we want people to understand AI yeah. or cloud, right? And that's not why you're presenting. That is what, so I say, why, what do you want the audience to do as soon as you get off stage? Oh, I want them to email me. Oh, that's why you're presenting. Right? Yeah. You build everything around that. So in the last minute, you remind the audience of the value you gave them. That's reciprocity in the, the idea of behavioral economics. You tease them with more content. You don't say, if you want to reach out to me, you say, I know you want to reach out to me. Here's how to find me. Let's keep talking. Because every presentation is either the, the, the beginning or the end of a conversation, right? So you really, so there's last minute. And then first minute is about engagement. You got four seconds to create some sort of emotional response from your audience. Are you gonna waste it by going, good morning, it's great to be here? Has any speaker ever said it's been terrible to be here? Yeah. I did it once, but that was because I wanted people to pay attention to me. <laughs> Arrest them out of the gate. The other thing too, and see, I, I'm a believer in, and the last question I always ask people is, uh, so how do they get a hold of you? Because I think that's important. That's why I'm here. I'm not, I, listen, I love talking, right? And you seem like a fabulous human being, but my goal is to get people to connect with me. So two ways you can do that. One way is to find me on LinkedIn. That's Jason Thompson, no P, T-H-O-M-S-O-N. Right. That's a good way. I give tons of free resources away on how to present, you know, how to do a media appearance, how to be a host at an event. If you want to find some awesome things, that's one way. Another way is head to the website. Right on the website, I have a blog. I send out this thing called the Sugar Buzz: Speak Up, Get Results, Truncates to Sugar. Yep. And the idea is, I give you good stuff. This isn't just simply a sales email. I truly want people to be better at every conversation. Find me in one of those two places. And if you're in Toronto, Saga 960 every Wednesday at 3 p.m. The Playbook. I, I was going to end it there, but I'm not. I got to ask you one more thing. Isn't it great to be back with people again, though? It is always great to be back with people. Listen, and I'm a hard eye introvert, right? Like after after my 1.30 slot today, yeah. I'm going for a nap, right? <laughs> okay, but at the same time, you do get energy and charge from people. And it, they really, at this event, they've made me feel like I'm a rock star. It's been something else. Jason, thanks for your time, man. Thank you. It's been great. Awesome. Really enjoyed it. And podcast too, right? Yeah. Got a podcast yeah, yeah, out it's, there. It's, so it's called it's, The Playbook. It's, it's all out there. It's all out there. You can find, if you just Google uh, the Career Hack 100, the 100 skills you need for an epic career, that's what we did last year for the whole year. Love it. Thanks for your time awesome. today. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.